0: I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, "Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Not even God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, "'Your brother will rise again.' Martha answered, "'I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day.' Jesus said to her, "'I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this?' "'Yes, Lord,' she replied. "'I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God.' who is to come into the world. Let's pray.
1: Precious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this time that we get to come together, as well as other brothers and sisters from around this city, this state, and around the world, to be able to celebrate, to remember that our Lord Jesus lived among us, that he died for us, and was also resurrected to show your power over death. I pray, Father God, that you will help us this morning, though we celebrate Easter every year, maybe we might see with different eyes this morning and take something new away this morning that we hadn't thought about before. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is concluding our series called I Am, and we've been looking at these seven I Am statements that Jesus made about himself as recorded by uh, John. And if you this morning are investigating, if you're questioning faith, if you're doubting faith, this may be a great place to start because Jesus here is saying something about himself. In fact, throughout this series, we've been saying that what's real to us reveals something about Jesus. And so we're looking at what Jesus actually claimed about himself, not just simply what others said about him. And the fact is, is that there may be no more important claim about Jesus than the one that he makes here when he brings Lazarus back from the dead where he says that he is the resurrection. It wasn't just that he was going to be resurrected, but that he is the resurrection and the life. And he told his followers that he would lay his life down for them, that he would willingly die for them to pay the penalty for their crimes. But he also said that his death would not be the end, that he would be resurrected. And the thing is, is that if someone predicts their death and their resurrection and is able to pull it off, we might want to follow what other things they say about themselves, right? You might actually consider trusting him with your life. And the fact is, is that everything hinges on the truth of the resurrection. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 said this. He said, that if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. He's essentially saying, all right, it, it's as if I would say, you know what, I'm, I'm handing in my two weeks notice, we're going to be selling the building, and the, the home's adjacent, and we're going to be giving that away to, to be helping people out, that kind of thing, because this is useless. It's, everything hinges on this truth. Everything does. And so, He continues to say, he says, listen, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, I love that throughout scriptures, death is simply called falling asleep. Did you catch that in what Rod read in John? But Paul said it as well. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. We have no idea what happened after death if there is no resurrection. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. It could be that whether you're watching online or you're here in person, it's possible that maybe you pity someone who has faith in Jesus, who has faith in the resurrection. It could be that you personally kind of need more proof for yourself. Or it could be that there's been something that has turned you off from the faith and maybe you're just here to support family, but deep down inside, maybe you even pity those who have faith in Jesus. See, the thing is, is that you can't say that Jesus was a good man or even a good teacher if he was not resurrected. I, I've read books from people who believe that none of the miracles happened. That yes, he he taught. And so we can, we can read his words and, and yes, there was, there was a historical figure by the name of Jesus and, but they just completely discount anything miraculous. And if he died and was not raised to life, then what he claimed about himself is a lie. See, it would make him a liar if he said something about himself that wasn't true. It would make him a lunatic. If he said something about himself, he thought was true, but wasn't. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm God, right? Well, that person would be a lunatic, right? Maybe you, maybe you've heard this argument before because it comes from C.S. Lewis. He's either a liar, lunatic, or Lord. And the thing is, is that we are here today, not because something was written. Wait a minute, Johnny, but, but, this is the scriptures, this is what we believe from the scriptures, I get that. But we're here today not because something was written, we're here today because something happened. And because something happened, then something got written. Men and women saw saw things and told others what they saw and heard and then believed. And men and women died for what they saw and heard. They didn't just die for what they believed, because anybody can die for what They believe. People nowadays, they may be dying for a lie, but they still die for what they believe. It could be that they're dying for other people. They are laying their lives down in order for people to be safe and secure. You know, that they're joining armies and that kind of thing. They're willingly laying their lives down for people. But anybody can die for what they believe. But Jesus' disciples were tortured, they were persecuted, they were killed for what they said they saw and heard, not just what they believed. Because at any point they could have said, you know, as they're facing persecution, as they're being tortured, they're like, nope, forget it. This is something that we all dreamed up. It's a complete lie. I'm I'm turning my back on this. This is not gonna happen. But there are historical accounts outside of Scripture that talk about how they died. The New Testament itself only brings up how two of Jesus' disciples died. One was Judas, who betrayed Jesus and then went off and hanged himself. And then there was James, the son of Zebedee. There were two sons of Zebedee among those 12, John, where we've been spending some time with him, and his brother James. James was executed by Herod in 44 AD, and that's You can find that in scripture. But in terms of the historical accounts outside of that, you have Peter and Paul, both martyred in Rome in 66 AD during the persecution under Emperor Nero. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down because he did not think himself worthy to die in the same fashion as his Lord. Andrew, Peter's brother, went to what is now Russia. Christians there claim him as the first to bring the gospel to their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and in Greece, where it is said that he was crucified as well. Thomas was probably most active in the area east of Syria, and tradition has him preaching as far east as India, where the ancient Marthoma Christians revere him as their founder. They claim that he died there when he was pierced through by four soldiers' spears. James, the son of Alphaeus, there are, there are many mentions of different people named James in, in the New Testament, but this James, the son of Alphaeus, he ministered in Syria, and Jewish historian, not Christian historian, a Jewish historian, Josephus, reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. John, whose writings we've been in, for the past seven weeks, whose writings we will be be in a little bit later this year, is the only one of the apostles generally thought to have died by natural death, old age. He was the leader of the church in Ephesus in the Ephesian area and is said to have taken care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in his home. And during Domitian's persecution in the middle of the 90s, he was exiled to the island of Patmos, where it was revealed to him of what would happen in the end times in the book that we now have, the book of Revelation. An early Latin tradition has John escaping after being cast into a boiling pot of oil in Rome. Most believe that John lived into his 90s and died of old age. The thing is, is that we are here today, that there's a movement that we are are a part of, not because of what was written. We're here today because something happened. Each of these people and countless others were tortured and killed for what they said they saw. What we have in the Bible is their eyewitness accounts of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. So something happened, and then something was written. And the something that happened was the resurrection of Jesus. And the thing is, is that trusting Jesus, you're not only trusting in the fact that Jesus was raised to life, but you're believing something about your own resurrection as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul outlines all the appearances of Jesus after he was resurrected. He then speaks of our own resurrection at length. I would encourage you for homework uh, to read the entirety of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's an incredible outline of, of what happened after the resurrection. But where I want to draw your attention to is what he told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. He says, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of the world does who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. I'm thankful that we can finally fly because that's one of my recurring dreams is that I can fly. Anybody have that dream? Uh, I've told you this before, but I'm getting better at it. I used to run into power lines and poles and that kind of thing, but after some practice, I've been getting better at flying. I don't know how in the world you can practice in your dreams, but I'm getting better at this. But praise God that This will be a reality that we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the air, meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with him forever. Therefore, Paul says, encourage one another with these words. With the rest of our time this morning, I want to draw your attention to two invitations that come from Jesus after his resurrection. The first is this: investigate your questions investigate your questions so i really don't like it's tagged to thomas's name because we do not find this anywhere in scripture do you know what the word is that is sometimes tagged to thomas's name doubting thomas i don't like that because all thomas wanted was proof before he believed he did not want his faith to be based on what others said. Maybe you're here today because you you need that. You need some more proof. You don't want to just believe in Jesus because mom and dad did, because grandma and grandpa did, because friends did. You want to, you want to believe it, and you want proof for it. It's possible, because this is one of those reasons why people will walk away from the faith, that you saw the opposite in some of those who called themselves Jesus followers that there didn't seem to be proof in their lives of a changed life. The account of where Thomas finally does believe in Jesus and he gets the proof is John 20, verses 24 through 29. So Thomas, he's one of the 12, but he wasn't with the 12 when Jesus first appeared to the Lord. And so they came to him and said, listen, we've seen the Lord. And he says, unless I see the the nail marks in his hands and I put the finger my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, and though the doors were locked, this is kind of fun, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus is resurrected. He's in a physical body, but all of a sudden, kind of pops into the room. That's pretty cool. He says, peace be with you. Then he directs his attention to Thomas. Thomas, put your finger here. I wonder if Thomas even did. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed I would love it if we all said this next line together. So you saw this. Stop doubting and believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Oh, I didn't put it up there. Okay, you can repeat after me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And maybe you're like Thomas. You need some proof before you believe. At Hope, we're making space for grace. It means that you can come here and feel like you have a sense of belonging even before you believe in Jesus and behave like Jesus. You can express your doubts. You can ask your questions. We want this to be a safe place where you can investigate those questions. You will never, ever look down upon because of your doubts and your questions. But I would encourage you, if you don't believe, don't be lazy about it. Investigate. Your questions. If you believe, don't be lazy about it. Investigate why you believe what you believe, and I'll give you some homework. Lee Strobel was, he he would identify himself as an atheist when his wife came to faith in Christ. And because of the changes that he was seeing in her life, the proof that was happening in her life, he kind of, he kind of got it okay. She believes in him, but I don't get it. I, I need to, I need to go look for the proof myself. And, and so he's, he's the legal editor for the Chicago Tribune at the time. And he takes two years to investigate why his wife believes what she believes. And at the end of that time, he ends up surrendering his life to Jesus because there is just such overwhelming proof for him to do that. Well, his story doesn't end there because then he writes a book called The Case for Christ. There's a follow-up to that, The Case for the Resurrection. There's a follow-up to that. No, I'm, it, it, there is, but he's just got a lot of different books that he has written based on that, or starting with that two-year investigation of his doubts and his questions. Josh McDowell, was an agnostic, when he was challenged to investigate his doubts, to ask those questions. And when he came to the end of his investigation, he realized that there was so much evidence for belief in Jesus, as opposed to against belief in Jesus, that he surrendered his life to Jesus. And now we have an incredibly detailed book called, evidence that demands a verdict. If that book is too thick for you, you can also read Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter, where he also brings up that whole idea of Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is, in fact, Lord. One of my favorite authors and communicators is Andy Stanley, and I love his book, Irresistible. I would encourage you to read that. Another resource for you is just any other follower that goes to hope. Any other person who's seeking to follow Jesus. And in our bulletins, we, just, we I, I tell you what my phone number is. Uh, you know, we say that it's our mobile office line, but you can text me, you can call me, we can get together, I will pay for your coffee, maybe even your tea. Um, but, you know, we can get together and we can talk about any kind of doubts you've got, any questions you've got, but you have resources so that One, you're not lazy in your unbelief, but those of us who do believe that we're not lazy in our belief. And maybe once you have the proof you need, maybe you'll accept the second invitation. And if there was ever a scripture I would want you to memorize, it might be this one. And this is, yes, yes, I know, one of my favorite scriptures. And so if you're ready, so I'm going to give you a little clue into Bible memorization that you usually say the reference, then you say the scripture, and then you say the reference again. So I want you to repeat after me. The the reference is John twenty one twelve. So let me hear you. Okay, so repeat this after me. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Jesus, okay, yeah, say say this out loud together. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. How about, how 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 many of you knew that that was in scripture? You're like, oh, I like that invitation. Jesus is inviting his disciples to come and have breakfast. Could be that this morning you've skipped breakfast because you're going to have an early Easter dinner. And you're hungry and you're like, good grief, Johnny's talking about food again. But I love this invitation. Because there's an invitation not only to investigate our doubts and our questions, but an invitation to initiate a friendship. Jesus says in John chapter 15, greater love, greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus invites us not to a religion, he invites us to a relationship. Because religion is filled with have-tos and should-dos, but relationship is filled with get-tos and want-to-dos and I'll-do because I love yous. That's relationship that we follow Jesus and we follow his commands because we love him, because he first loved us. Jesus invites us to trust him with our lives and to live our lives not just for him, but to live our lives with him, to do life with him. John would later record another invitation from Jesus in the book of Revelation. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, an invitation to eat together is this invitation to get to know each other. Jesus wants to get to know you and he wants you to get to know him. He doesn't call you servant. He calls you friend. And when he says, I am, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That if you've lost your way, follow Jesus. If you're really confused about the truth, follow Jesus. If you really want to experience life in all of its fullness eternally and abundantly, follow Jesus. When he says, I am the gate, it's for your protection. When he says, I am the shepherd, it's for your pr- provision and care. When he says, I am the light, he's there for us when we're in the dark. When he says, I am the vine, it's for us to have that vital connection with him and that we can be fruitful in life. And when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, know that death is not the end. And when he says, I am the bread, the bread that sustains you. This morning in a little bit, we'll receive communion. Has a little piece of bread in it. Has some juice in it. After this next song, we'll receive from the Lord's table together. Prepare your hearts and just realize that this invitation is to all of us. An invitation to friendship with Jesus is absolutely for all of us. An invitation to receive communion is for all of you who are followers of Jesus and you know you're members of his family. You don't have to be members of this church to receive. So in a moment, we can receive this symbol of friendship, of Jesus breaking the bread and sharing the cup. The broken bread reminding us of Jesus Jesus being broken for us. The wine reminding us of his blood shed for us. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your power over death and thank you for the celebration of new life that is found in Jesus. Prepare our hearts for a deepening relationship with you as we continue to celebrate he arose.